everyone. Welcome back to Tent Talks. This week's episode is solo, and I wanted to talk a little bit about things that come up for people around Christmas time. And I remember as a kid, this generalized attitude, and I think the holiday that I noticed it the biggest was Mother's Day. But when people started sharing their individual stories, and it changed the celebrations or like the more politically correct, the household got the one that I was growing up in, it was like the general attitude was like, well, now this is changing and we can't celebrate. And the older that I get, the more that that has shifted for me, because we want to hear other people's narratives. And we want to hear a more complete story of, of how our participation in life might be affecting other people. And we do that because it gives us more power to choose how we can act and how we can show up in the world. And we do that to expand other people's narratives into ours to increase compassion and awareness. And part of what I think is the journey of waking up or becoming more connected to humanity and to our bodies is accepting personal truths. Like your body has more capacity for truth. And sometimes it's even things that are not your truth, but other people's truth and their stories. But when we can finally create space for them, I I think it has an effect on our bodies and I've just seen that with my own body is why I can say that. In fact, I was talking to a friend the other day and I just said, oh yeah, sometimes it's hard for me to do big celebrations with the friends. And it's not because I don't enjoy it. It's because a lot of things come up for me and I get triggered a lot. And I know trigger is kind of one of those words. And then her direct response was, oh, no, 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 what can we do? How can we make it better? And I said, no, this is a good thing because my body is telling me the truth and I'm I'm able to accept the truth. I just might need a mindful moment to kind of calm myself down so that I can re-participate and that I can show up without feeling reactive or reactivity in my participation with other people. So there's a lot more internal work that has to be done to show up at certain events, but it's because of my body's ability to hold more truth. And then I have feelings about that. So I have to sit with it. And then my interactions and the way that I show up in the world is altered by what I know to be true, by what I remember, by what I validate. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's kind of the premise of today's conversation about Christmas time and the holidays and how that can be really an unhappy time for a lot of people. And it can bring up a lot of family trauma and it can bring up a lot of other issues. I notice with a lot of people who've lost family members, regardless of if it was around the holidays, it's very noticeable around the holidays. Because we're gathering together as families. And so when the holiday comes and that family member isn't there, there's kind of a hole in our in our heart in our celebration of missing that person. 
And also that person that is missing from the holiday celebration could have also passed away during this time. And statistically, more people die between November to February than any other time of the year. And some people can say it's weather-related, more virus, flu, more illness gets activated. But there is something interesting that that happens during this time of year where people do die a lot during the winter months. And that makes it hard for people. And it makes grief really big because there's not a lot of distractions that are as accessible because there's more darkness outside. We spend a lot more time inside. There's more solitude. There's a lot of factors that go into why somebody could feel more isolated or have their grief magnified or intensified during the holiday season, during the winter time. Also, I just wanted to point out that during the pandemic and the COVID outbreak, there were a lot of people left without a parent, without both parents, without a lot of family members. And so the holiday season has shifted our family structures and who's showing up. And that's something that has hit a lot of people, millions of people are feeling that. And those are just things to be mindful of when you're planning a family gathering, when you're planning your holiday celebrations, expanding the definition of family to include friends or people who have lost loved ones opening up our arms wider and bigger and our hearts to to be more inclusive and compassionate to those people. One of my biggest triggers around the holidays, definitely, I definitely relate to having family of origin complications or not having it look like this perfect family. And part of that was growing up as the youngest in the family and kind of holidays losing their sweetness because my siblings were away or with their parts of the family or like their in-laws. And so having holidays be kind of quiet or not as filled with family members, that's there for me for sure, or mourning family traditions or mourning like big family celebrations, that's there for me. But more so the bigger issue for me around the holidays is poverty. And I think that this is something that really affects all of us, because it's an everybody issue, just as much as like, you know, family members dying or not having the family structure the same as everybody else or what we're celebrating as a society as deemed the ideal family. There's that that's affecting people. And then there's this poverty issue. But I want to speak more about the poverty because that's louder in my body than family dynamics and grief. But I just wanted to speak on both because I think they're both very, very, very present at this time of year specifically. So 
I first learned that my family was poor probably around Christmas time because people donating things to my family or like getting boxes of food left at our front porch or having people drop off gifts. And I was always curious why they were doing that because I I honestly didn't know that we were poor until that started happening. I was just like, oh, that's weird. Somebody left a bunch of stuff for us. And then it kind of morphed into this feeling of, oh, they've figured out that we are poor. And then there was like a realization like, oh, we're not hiding it well enough. Because it's something that we didn't really ever talk about. And also, I think my parents did the best they could with what they had. There's no animosity there or resentment there. I think they honestly did the best they could. But it would show up because this same Santa that we were all giving our wish list to, he would always fuck up my order. And it would make me feel like a bad kid. So luckily, I learned that Santa was fake pretty soon, because it really played with my perceptions of if I was a good person, because the whole thing with Santa is that, you know, you have to be good all year and you'll get gifts. And these are all memories from when I was pretty little. But I do remember feeling like because of the doll that I got or because of the socks or whatever that I got that year, there was this internalization that I must have not been very good because the thing that I asked for I didn't get or the thing that all of my friends got that I also wanted to get, they got it, but I didn't. So uncovering and naming and claiming, oh my, it's not that I'm not good. It's that our family doesn't have money. That took a long time for me to figure out as a kid. And it took repetitive years of, of us being kind of like the charity family in our church program and in our neighborhood. And that's just a really interesting experience to go through. And it still affects to this day, the way that I can receive and show up in a receptive mode. Because I have to tell myself that it's not because people are feeling bad for me. It's because they want to help me. But there is a tricky dichotomy here because when we see somebody who has less than what we want them to or than what we feel like they should have, it can sometimes trigger like a saviorism complex. And I think capitalism thrives on saviorism because the people who are making more money need to feel good about the fact that they have more money. And so they need to like help other people in a way that if systemically, if we just had a different approach where the working class and the wealthy, where there wasn't such a division, then we could all just relax more because nobody is in trouble for having more money or being more privileged 
whether it comes from family wealth, inheritances, land, or just education and better job opportunities. There's nothing inherently wrong with any of that. And we celebrate that. But the problem is, it's not that poor people just need to stop being poor. It's that everybody has to shift the way that we interact with money and how we spend money and how we distribute wealth. And that shows up a lot during holidays because I think people who are really trying to make things special for their family, the disparity is really there during holidays that have a high demand to be extravagant. Because if you're dealing with somebody in poverty, things like wrapping paper aren't really options. Big family meals, that's something that's really challenging, just like the cost of groceries in general. And then managing Christmas lists or trying to provide children or other family members some joy at Christmas, but you might just only be able to afford essentials. And it might be something that you're planning for all year round and scrimping and saving to try to make it possible. And it's really tricky because those who who do and are surrounded by a lot of family and a lot of joy and merriment and abundance of gifts, like that is to be celebrated and that is to be joyful. And in the same breath, with all of that joy and privilege and access, it's important to have your eyes opened to the awareness that not everybody has that. And, and you do that because you, you have the power in the situation that somebody who has less money than you doesn't have the power to do. And it's little tiny decisions that you would never even know about that a poor person is thinking about. So uh, poor people are managing a lot of other thoughts that people who are wealthier don't have to manage. And, and I do believe that there are problems at any income level, and there are things that other people simply don't have to think about because they don't have that much money or they don't have that little of money. So it goes both ways, but it still remains that the people in power are the people with more money because they have more advantages. And I kind of relate that to a conversation like racism. It's like there are people being oppressed and then there are people who are benefiting off of the oppression. There's, there's nothing wrong with being white it's just that the whole system is centered around uplifting whiteness. And the people that have to fix that are white people because we have to say, oh, that doesn't work for me to have those kind of conversations. Oh, it doesn't work for me to support this business anymore or this mindset or this to participate politically in this way anymore. It's not up to people of color to change the racism story, it's because they're being oppressed. It's up to white people with privilege to realize and then make different choices so that we can 
stop racism from happening and recycling and continuing. So I think the interesting thing with poverty and with poor people is there are enough people right now that are suffering that cannot make it because we're calling it inflation, but it's something really radical is happening in our economy where corporations are making more than they ever have. People have become billionaires because of the oppression of what happened during the pandemic. And we really have power in numbers right now because I recognize that even if somebody does have more money, they're probably really struggling in their income bracket because of this thing that is happening systemically with food, with gas prices, with groceries, with technology, with appliances. It seems like everything is made cheaply. It's falling apart. We have to repurchase. The quality of things is going down. Even basic clothes Sure, you can buy a $5 top at Walmart, spend $10, $5, but it's going to fall apart after so many washes. And then you're just going to have to repurchase it. And to some people, they say, well, you just save up and you buy higher quality things. It's even at the time where the higher quality items are not lasting. And to say that to a person in poverty by higher quality, clothing or higher quality electronics or, or whatever it is that's higher quality, that's not available for everybody because they can't come up with that kind of money up front. It will take them months, if not years, to be able to scrimp and save because they don't have the basics. Something that I think is really important to look at in your holiday celebrations is the working class. One of the first things that I do that's totally subconscious, and it was brought to my realization a few years ago, but I always track which day a holiday is going to be on because it determines what my work schedule will be like. So for example, this year, I had a sigh of relief because Christmas was going to be on a weekend on a day that I wasn't working so that I could continue back to work as soon as possible. And people who have an income where they have to show up to get paid or where they have to work through the holidays, that changes how people experience holidays. And there are some people who who don't live in that reality at all and they take off two weeks and they do traveling and they have fun and they don't even realize that some people's holidays are based on their work schedule and if they can take time off or, you know, if they can even afford something because of the amount of work that may or may not be accessible to them. So like if Christmas were to fall in the middle of the week or something, that throws off my whole schedule working on bodies because you get like the the chaos of before, then the holidays themselves, and then, you know, the days after that are kind of dying down, where I think, like most people wouldn't think like that. But 
capitalism thinks like that because they want people to return to work immediately and they want the working class to keep working. And we have to shift the way that we think about that because every time we use the working class or use the services, it's like we're encouraging them to work as well. So like I always think about when I was growing up, there'd be like one grocery store that was open and maybe a gas station that was open on a holiday. And that was a really big deal. But now it kind of seems like you can kind of go anywhere and there'll be somewhere open and people working. And even if it seems like a ridiculous store to be open, somehow they're open. And as a consumer, as somebody, I try really, really hard to be aware of who's working or who's worried about work and their working schedule, and they can't even enjoy the holiday. And that's something that has taken me years of deconstruction to even figure out within my own self about something that's difficult is finding the celebration. If the whole time you're celebrating, you're wondering how you're going to pay for something. And that's not normal, but it's really common for people. And, and we've normalized it as a society because the demands of people who aren't living with awareness and with their eyes open, keep making choices that make the working class have to keep working. So I just have a list or I just want to end, I guess, with some things that I'm certainly not doing perfectly, but there are things that I've been paying attention to with some spending habits and practices around the holidays. And just actually in general, it's not heightened during the holidays, but it's it's an overall, you know, awareness. Expanding traditions so that there's not so much emphasis on Christmas morning that takes, you know, two hours to open up all the gifts. And it's, it's, it's not like the lead up of the whole season. Because as somebody who can also spend Christmas morning alone a lot, there is this sensationalized like five hour window on Christmas morning. And if you can just make it through that, you can make it through anything. But part of not making that the entire celebration is like all these presents is expanding traditions, like maybe having a holiday party beforehand or just spreading out the joy so that it's not so hyper focused on Christmas morning with gifts. Another thing is, of course, expanding the idea of what a gift is, including homemade gifts. And people give gifts as their experiences, like a ticket to a future concert or game or travel opportunity, just things that can be done experientially. Gifts that are pieces of art poems, things that have come through, that come from the self, that have so much meaning and even symbolism. Those are really cherished gifts. And this idea of 
art or experiences, there there are things that you can do. You can gift someone a course that you do together or doing some type of maker's activity. Maybe you make an ornament or jewelry together, and then you always have that piece and it becomes more about the experience than the gift itself. But the gift itself is the reminder of the experience. So there's a lot of really cool creative ideas about how to do that. Buying locally. I try to do this whenever I travel, but I love doing it also during the holidays. Is support people who make local medicine people who grow herbs in the area or whatever their medicine of choice is. I love that. Whenever I go to shops, boutiques, I ask, where can I connect in with people who make local medicine? And that started in Sedona because I used to go regularly to visit my brother who lives in that area. And I went to a Christmas market there and there were a lot of people who were making local medicines and salves and balms. And that turned out to be such a nourishing gift, the gift that kept giving. And so now that's something that I do whenever I travel, regardless if it's the holidays or not, is just look for local medicine in different areas. But these shifts in consumerism, saviorism, capitalism, the way that we put the solution of poverty onto poor people and this mindset like, you just have to work harder, you have to work smarter, you have to do this. It's not exclusive. The solution doesn't lie in the people that are being oppressed. But right now we're at a real advantage where there are so many people that are being oppressed that I feel like these individual shifts can go pretty far. And so if you find yourself maybe absolutely cannot buy local gifts because the cost is far too expensive and and you have to, you know, look at other options, that's okay. That solution is not yours. That's somebody else's. But if you can look around and say, I can make this shift. I can invite my neighbor who's alone to my holiday parties or I can do this one thing, it it really is going to take all of us making a lot of different small collective choices to change what's happening on a systemic level. And I think we can do it. And I I know that it can be overwhelming in the beginning to start to look at all of the issues and think, How are we ever going to do it? And it really is just focusing on the peace that you have control over. And I know from growing up in poverty, and I know from trying to build my way out of it as an adult, that there are just some things that are not my mountain to climb. And I can let other people who make more money worry about those issues. And maybe I can talk about it, speak about it. It takes a lot of bravery and it takes a lot of gentle languaging, but we we need to be aware of these issues because if you have the power to make changes, it's kind of up to you because there are only so many decisions that people in poverty can make because they either don't have the time or they don't have the money to do it. And usually they don't have both. And so anyway, 
there's a lot of different perspectives. This is just my perspective. And there are so many other ways that people can show up and contribute and be practicing more mindfully. But our, our economy is now global. And we've known that for a while. It's now more in our face than it ever has been because of technology. But I, I think just being really mindful this Christmas season about people's grief and about people's ability to provide and, and maybe even the realization that they're poor, that might be happening to several children around the world because we're living in this place where we have all got to take care of each other and, and it looks different now than it ever has. And so hopefully we can unite in the fact that we're all kind of struggling and being more mindful of that. We can make different choices wherever we're at in our class system, in our wealth system. We can make choices that include people beyond ourself. And, and that's really, I think, what Christmas season is all about. It's thinking outside of yourself, remembering to include people and think about them in your joy, in their sorrow, in the collective grief, and in the collective merriment. So with that, I just want to wish everybody a happy holiday season. Whatever holidays you're celebrating, I hope that you can find the joy and take a little time for the grief too because it has to be addressed. And the only way is if everybody takes a little piece of it. Happy holidays, and we will see you next week on Tent Talks. Mm -hmm.